Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to CHGO Red Stars Podcast. It's your girl, Sandra Herrera, joined by my friend, homie, colleague, Claire Watkins. CHGO Red Stars is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. We're back. It's been a while. Shouldn't have left you. Got a dope beat step to but we're, we're back. We, we made it somehow. I think we have. Uh, a lot of things have happened in, in, in the time where the Chicago Red Stars uh, clinched a spot in the NWSL postseason. Uh, international window happened in between all that. That playoff game happened. Um, a Yates report dropped. We chatted about that a, a little bit as well. Um, but, uh, it's, it's official. We, we come back on this episode. We're rejoining everybody live. Uh, unfortunately having to talk about a, uh, Chicago Red Star season coming to an end, a tough, tough season, uh, to sort of, you know, watch cover and quite frankly for the players, I'm sure having to, to play through it. And, uh, yeah, we're here to, to chat all about it uh claire glad to link up with you see how you're doing uh pretty chill week for you i think (laughs) i mean the last two weeks have have been very busy um yeah yeah uh there's been a lot going on um but i think i want to start i think i want to start with the game though i think we should talk about the game and then Kind of go from there. I think you are correct, my friend. Uh, Chicago Red Stars in typical Chicago Red Stars player fashion um, did what they did and defeated Angel City in the last home game of the regular season, earned the sixth seed and an appearance in a quarterfinal against San Diego Wave. FC and you know what in the build-up to that game there were some question marks around uh, San Diego and some of their key players and who would be available or unavailable or what would that look like 
Um, and for the Red Stars, I think maybe similar storylines as well. Because one of the things that we have been uh, following throughout the season with this team is, you know, quite frankly, it just was players who were constantly rotating on and off that availability report, right? So I don't think that energy was much different um, leading into this uh, quarterfinal. I think uh, we knew that they were going to be without a number of players, right, who have been out on maternity leave. We knew that they were going to be without two of their center backs and Tierna Davidson and Kayla Sharples, right, out with ACLs as they have been for majority of the season. Um, we knew they were going to be without uh, Bianca St. George uh, due to – the uh, extra game issued by the disciplinary committee based on her uh, red card against Portland Thorns in the regular season there. Um, and so we knew, we knew that there were going to be a number of people unavailable for this match. What we didn't know was maybe the, uh, the minutes that some of these players would be able to, to sort of sustain throughout a, a quarter final match. Cause the thing that happens when you get to the postseason is there has to be someone who advances and there has to be someone who goes home. So that already set the stage for the, even the possibility of going to something like penalty kicks and extra time. Right. So I think for me, like in the buildup to this game, I had a lot of uh, curiosity is like in terms of like who actually would be available for San Diego and my general feeling around it was that if somebody like a uh, Taylor Korniak for San Diego was um, unavailable or not a hundred percent and someone like Morgan Gatra was good to go for Chicago, that Chicago would have a pretty, pretty good chance on this day. And to be frank, that first half of this game was uh, kind of delightful to watch. Yeah. I mean, it was good. It was, um, it's not going to shock anybody, but that game reminded me of the 2021 championship final a lot in a variety oh, yeah. of different ways. Um, one being that we didn't exactly know player fitness on either side going in. Um, we didn't necessarily know what mindset the teams would be in. Um Obviously, there was uh, media availability with Aaron Wright prior to the match, and it seemed, or and Vanessa Di Renardo, and they were both in good spirits, and that's great. You don't always necessarily know, nor do I think players always necessarily know how those feelings manifest once you get out on a pitch. Um, but yeah, I think they looked like they had gotten a weekend off, which was great, and um, it also seemed like, you know, San Diego at the beginning of the game they didn't push it as much, right? I think that they definitely considered themselves to be the second half team in this one. And I think they did that intentionally. Um, and so with the limitations that San Diego was playing with, I think Chicago took a lot of space and was playing with a lot of freedom and really moving the ball well, um, either on the wings or in the midfield. And then you kind of had that surprising goal that Yuki Nagasato scores off of just like, I don't know if it was like the paint on the pitch or what with, with Snapdragon, but Kalen Sheridan makes a incredibly uncharacteristic mistake and, and Yuki pounces on that. Um, and then again, like last year, right? Chicago goes up and you go, wow, I'm not sure I was expecting that, but certainly welcome. Right. And 
and then they they start getting their own entrances into the box and they start getting their own um sort of team-wide play and you but but still just that one goal and i think that that was that that story of the first half um but yeah, I thought they played incredibly well. I mean, I think you just can't speak enough to how important Morgan Gatraw is to this midfield and is to this team. Yeah. I thought that was one of the best halves Vanessa DiBernardo has played Dude. in like five years. She it, was incredible in the first like, half of that game. It's like she was waiting yeah. to be set free. Yeah. Higher up that pitch. It was uh yeah, there were I, I absolutely there were moments where I was watching it where I kind of was like you know, reeling it in a little bit and sort of putting myself in check. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's, let's, let's get back to those, you know, realistic expectations here. Um, because it was really good to just see this team connecting the way they were connecting. Um, you know, just like getting back to like good, small, smart, short, simple soccer. You know, just connecting, stringing together their passes, you know, small combinations um, and just sort of keeping keeping the ball. Right. They were out there valuing that possession like that's uh, I think at one point during my like live reaction to the game, I had cracked a joke about that. And I was like, well, we'll look at that. Um, and, uh, you know, we've heard like somebody like Mel Pugh, you know, speak on that, you know, like they want to keep the ball. They feel better about the game when they do retain that ball. Um, and there was also another part of me um, where I like felt a little sad about it, you know, where I was just like, you know, like, gosh, like, you know, this team, like when they have, when things sort of magically line up, you know, the way they uh, could line up for this team, I think, even going to this postseason and, and this starting 11 that dropped, like it's not necessarily what I think people would have considered their ideal starting 11, right? But you had players out there competing in a quarterfinal, putting together like a pretty solid game plan and executing the game plan the way they needed to execute it. Um I want to real quick. I do want to highlight a comment that John is making in the chat, which I also noticed myself and I thought was indicative of, of something that was, was cool and nice to see was he, John is mentioning that Ali Wagner, who was on the call specifically mentioned <laughs> some of the passing that Chicago had done. He, you know, he says Ali Wagner even mentioned at one point that CRS had something like 15 plus passes in a row. Um, do you guys remember listening to Ali Wagner called Chicago, call, call Chicago games in 2021 and just like agony. Oh, she did not Agony. like doing it. It was like, <laughs> she, there was so much there that she um, just did not, Agony. clearly just did not enjoy watching. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? She wasn't wrong. And so it was, it was very funny to hear that. It, there was a sense of like, I think she was being accurate during this game, but there was also this sense of like, finally, you know? Yeah. Um, like when watching there it is. Play. Yeah. Yeah. How do you have, um, how do you have those pieces and how do they and how are they just now like sort of uh, being able to, to, to play like this and um, watching that first goal happen, you know, it just was very, it just sort of felt like, yeah, it's like, this is what the Red Stars are, are capable of. Like this very smart, intelligent team 
that can execute a game plan and kind of organize and silo you and stifle you in a way that kind of frustrates like frustrates the opposition and sort of maybe doesn't take the opposition out of their game plan, but slows down um, your slows or slows down the tempo for, for the other team for, for them to actually get into. So watching, watching that first half, it was, it was, it was maybe, uh, you know, one part like enthusiasm about it and two parts like, what is it going to mean ultimately at the end of this game? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think we saw what happened in the second half, right? Again, very indicative of what happened at the end of 2021. Um, Chicago has the better of it. They really execute their game plan. Well, they don't give San Diego a ton of chances at the other end. Obviously San Diego starts getting a little bit more. They start winning more corners at the end of the first half, working themselves into the game. You can't, uh, you, you can't beat tall and Taylor Kornag is very tall. And she had a couple looks there at the end, um, of the first half and they just couldn't get the second goal, right? They just could not get the separation that they might need. And, um, and so that second half without the turnover, that second half ends nil nil, right? Like it just feels yeah. a little bit like, yes, this is going well, it was going well last year too, though. Like this is the thing. And, and I think that the longer that second half went on, um, some of the structural issues of Chicago's formation became a problem, right? Like that they started no natural defenders at wing back. Now, obviously the whole point of having wing backs is to make up for more attacking tendencies. There were personnel issues with their personal reasons why they started with two wing backs. But then once San Diego started making their substitutes, they needed a more defensive presence on the wings and they weren't able to recreate that, which left players in isolation in the three back. You know, they also only have one Aaron Wright, which meant that they wanted her in the middle, which pushed Zoe Morse out to the side and they they paid for that as well. That was a position that Morse has not really played in this season. I was going to ask you. I said, what yeah. did you, what did you think of that that sort of tactical shift by the coaching staff there? One part necessity, one part bad decision. I wouldn't call it a bad decision. I think it's just indicative of the lack of shoring up of the back line that we've seen all season. Yeah. What it's do you think? A, I think it's just more evidence to the lack of, uh, you know, depth and, and support that the team has had throughout, throughout this 2022. I think it was, you know, I think it got pretty glaring. I think in that second half of the regular season, uh, I think when the team sort of went on a, a little bit of a skid there themselves where I'm just like, it is, it's like, I think my reaction to it at one point was, I was just like, it's, it's straight up like irresponsible on the organization at this point to not have uh you know additional support for these players or a lack of, of of depth on the bench to to supplement this team moving forward you know it just sort of felt you can already sort of feel it right like if you go here you can already sort of feel like how um you know, the potential ending for what the season was, was going to be. And I don't say that because it's like fun to be right. Like I say that with like a bit of sadness about it. Like it's not something 
to necessarily be like proud of, you know, like, oh, like, look, this, it's tough to sort of see this team sort of, you know, meet this, hit this, this brick wall at the end, you know, where it's just like within this game specifically, you can literally pinpoint the moment in which these players just run out of gas in this semifinal. It's just like evident. And you're just, the fact that it went to extra time, I don't know if anyone who goes here or who has watched the Chicago Red Stars for X amount of years or has covered the team for X amount of years or so on and so on can honestly say they felt confident that that game went into extra time. Is there always a chance because it's the playoffs and everything can happen? Yeah, sure. That's the hypothetical principle of the playoffs, right? Are you confident that these players who have sort of had to be, you know, sort of grounded down over the course of a long regular season can sustain themselves through, through extra time. Um, I don't know if anybody could, could say that they were hundred percent confident um, within that. I almost said, I, I was almost like, well, if this even goes to penalties, like what kind of penalties are we going to see from this Chicago Red Stars team? You know, it's just, uh, it's just tough. It, it was, it's tough. Um, to sort of uh, see the team and the players specifically um, rally around each other, right, as they typically have done before in the past and try to compete as best as they could compete in a quarterfinal, um, try to make a strong run in the postseason and fall short of that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think... It was like fine margins. I mean, I don't want to be too down on it, to be completely honest, because I do think that some of the way that it felt to watch it was informed by last year. And this year is not last year. It's not exactly the same. And I don't think it's fair to the players to act like this was a foregone conclusion because of last year. Um, but I also think that – I think it just kind of – this is something that analytically we've spoken on quite a bit this this season, which is – just what do you do when you have gotten that go-ahead goal? How do you control the game? Um, the fact that they were having to control a one-goal lead, I think, was an issue because of the fitness issues that they've had over the season. Um, when San Diego wanted to stretch, Chicago couldn't really stop the game from stretching, which is why you need probably to have scored more than one goal when you are controlling things. They lost on a set piece, though. I mean, I don't know. They yeah. lost on a set piece. It. It's not, and, and it was it was something that, I mean, Alyssa Nair said after the game, and I think that it's fair to, you know, follow her evaluation, which is just like she probably could have gotten to that ball, right? It just was a little bit of a fluke to have it not end tied. Um, San Diego really only scored one in the run of play themselves, despite, I think, getting the game that they wanted in the second half. And, but that's playoff soccer, right? Those are the fine margins, and I think it, absolutely could have gone the other way. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion that they were going to to lose this game, but I just think that this was the nature of, of how that worked. And the bigger issues I think still would have been there had they won the game, despite the quality that they showed in the first half, which is what do you do with the wing backs? Um, how do you handle the three back when you only have three defenders who are used to that system? Right. Um, how do you, You've, you know, you've lent, you've leaned on Vanessa Di Bernardo and Yuki Nagasato so extensively up to this point. 
that despite the desire to be 90 minutes fit, I'm not sure we necessarily saw that from them or certainly not 120 minutes fit. Right. Um, and, and then, you know, you just kind of like list all the different things. And I think that those, those issues are off season questions, but not necessarily like this is why they lost that game. Yeah, no, I feel you a hundred percent. I don't think that's, I don't think that's an unfair, uh, perspective and, and i'm with you to a certain extent i'm not trying to come on here and say that like this was predictable you know of, of, of this team and i'm with you and that it's unfair to you know have that even be perceived that way so i'm not in any way trying to like you know uh portray that i i think there were moments in this game where i think it was tough to watch because you like talking about Vanessa DiBernardo or talking about Nagasato and sort of seeing their roles in a game like this, for me, it was just kind of like, it, it leaves a lot of what ifs, right? For me it is ultimately just what I'm sort of alluding to. It's just kind of like, gosh, it's like, what if this, what if that, you know, I'm sure people were looking at that availability report throughout the entirety of the regular season at some points saying like, ah, geez, like, you know, what if, there was some extra depth here at this position or that position, et cetera. Um, but yeah, no, you brought up, you know, Nayer and in, in, in the post game and, um, and Petroselli as well. Um, the two of them sort of being the ones to, to feel questions after a loss like that. Um, and tough, quite frankly, tough position to be in because um, at that point in a season, a, you're eliminated, right? It's done. And B, there's always that, um, there's always those question marks of like, well, okay, like what comes next for the Chicago Red Stars, right? And and leading up in the buildup to this, to this quarterfinal, um, we saw that there was, you know, a, a collective collaborative statement that was put out by the players themselves in, in regards to, um the the full report uh the Yates report dropping and uh just sort of after I think it was just like a day or so after the board of direction directors went ahead and, and made their decision to remove uh Whistler from his his place uh, amongst the board um and it came out that that Monday leading up into to the quarterfinals so it sort of felt a little bit like, hey, this is our piece on it and we're going to move forward and, and sort of focus on this quarterfinal. And then you have uh, you have the loss happen and, and now their season is over. And I think that's I think that's where a, a lot of people are, are are what they're sitting with now. Right. Like what comes next for the Chicago Red Stars in, in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there's anything that's happened in the last week that changes what our analysis was um, last week or the week before, uh, after even after making the playoffs, which is, um, and this is something that Nair basically straight up said after the, after the game, which is, um, we've been saying this all season, which is that this group of veterans um, were tasked with holding a higher standard than the team around them and by like the front office around them, um, you know, no disrespect to anybody who came in post 2021, you know, but just, it was their job to be in charge kind of, they are the ones with the institutional history. They are the ones who understand 
the ins and outs of this club. Um, and they did that to the point of, of getting the team to a playoff game. Um, obviously some bad luck with injuries, uh, and they had other absences, you know, that, that affected them as well. But I, I, I just don't think that there's anything about this loss that cheapens that or changes that story, nor do I think there's been anything over the last week. It contextualizes it, but it doesn't, it doesn't change, doesn't change that that's what this, this season was. And, and so I think this seems just about right, right? Like you winning for a long time, actually with this team winning papered over a lot of issues and I think players themselves obviously really wanted to make playoffs and they wanted to go further in the playoffs. I think everybody did, but now it's the work of like, we have to fix those issues and we cannot let what happens on the field overshadow that in any way. And so I wonder a little bit, you know, for the team, I think that they really wanted for each other for this to go longer, but now is the time for the club to fix some stuff. And I have to think that there is some element of um, certainly relief even before the playoff game after some action taken by the board. But now the fact that probably players a little bit can be like, okay, your turn, your turn now before having to come back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. It's kind of just like, again, just for, for me, it's just even li like listening to you talk right now and just sort of like, it's frustrating, right, about that and just sort of like the players being tasked with the responsibility of, um, you know, presenting the, the you know, or painting the picture of success at a right. club, right, despite um, the dysfunction and, and lack of resources behind it, quite frankly. Um, and like listening to, you know, a listener you know, speak to that a little bit in, in the post game sort of, you know, saying how there are some things that were initially on background sort of coming to the forefront now in terms of players navigating their pro careers with this club. Um, and kind of alluding to that, like what you said, it's just going to have to be about taking the off season as it comes, you know, that's going to continue to be, you know, working on themselves as individuals, as, as, as professional athletes, continued conversations amongst each other as teammates and players, potential conversations with people in positions of power, whether it be board members or uh, other investors as well. Um, and, it's, I think it's too early to determine, you know, any one path or any one direct answer or solution to what we know now are, quite frankly, many problems with this franchise. Yeah. And I think like that's the, the next, next step. I gotta say <clears throat> in light of, uh, in light of, if, you, if you're a Red Stars fan, if you're an NWSL fan, maybe you're looking at this like, well, I'm done. I'm done with soccer season. I'm not going to, uh, you know, humor myself with that. I'll, I'll see you next year. 
you know, there's there's all kinds of sports that are still going on. Maybe you're you're someone who like dives into a different sport to sort of wash away the memory of the other sport that you uh, typically uh, tune into. But you know, right now in October, um, it's baseball season, right? So that means it's uh, it's October baseball. And uh, you can go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And now you can use promo code CHGO. You can bet $5 to win $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code CHGO. There are minimum age and eligibility uh, restrictions that apply. You should uh, see the notes for for details. Uh, And, uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, download. Utilize DraftKings. Uh, if you want to take yourself away, maybe place a bet and make yourself a winner and maybe uh, bring yourself some, some uh, a little bit of joy. Like who doesn't like being a winner, even if it is uh, placing a bet on uh, on something. But um, no, I think uh, bringing that up, bringing all that stuff up for a reason, bringing up, you know, what uh, Alyssa Nayer sort of shared in, in the post game and, and bringing up the concept of, of what comes next. Because, you know, after this... After this game, for for the rest of us, Claire, you had a really good piece that dropped uh, with Defector Media, something um, that you've been working on for an incredibly long time. I'm just sort of speaking to this as, like, really just, like, a friend of Claire's now. I I, I know how hard my friend has worked um, to ensure that good reporting was, you know, done around this story, and it dropped recently this week. So if you have not had a chance to go and read her reporting in Defector, you should go and do that. Um, but it has definitely shed some light in, in areas for uh, this franchise in which they have struggled for, for some time. Yeah. Honestly, Sandra, I'm interested in your takeaways more than, more than mine. I know, I know what, well, I'll, I'll just put it out there. Right. I know what I've got. What, what are your takeaways having, having read that and having read Meg's piece as well? Well, you know, dude, like, You and I, there were check-ins, right? We'll just say that. Like for for you and I as, as friends, there there were check-ins, mental health check-ins, and and sort of just like making sure that you know you were okay in, in that time or, or how you were feeling about it. But sort of reading it all uh, and sort of this sort of combo, like one-two punch, right? That you had Meg and, and her reporting in the Athletic, and you had. Finally, your your long form piece uh, in, in Defector come out. Um, I want to say, like initially, it just sort of felt. It just sort of felt like, well, it just sort of gives perspective. I think for people who aren't or weren't aware of of some of these things, um, there's a lot that's been put out there recently whether people are getting information from the yates report around this franchise for the first time or folks who were reading your reporting with defector and i think it shed an important light on areas that are outside of just the areas that we saw highlighted within a yates report which are very serious issues systemic issues where you have people in positions of power protecting abusers, right? And enabling that abuse to continue. But then you've also got areas within NWSL 
that have also been stifled. And it sheds light on the areas in which I don't think people are necessarily thinking about right away. Uh, the fact, the issue of housing and how that comes into play for professional athletes here in the NWSL. Uh, that the Red Stars were a franchise that were utilizing host families all the way up until 2019. And that they were ran by an owner who, quite frankly, would have continued to allow that to happen had mandates for housing not been put into place, right? But then even with a housing mandate in place, that the living situations for some players were still not up to par. So I think... It's important reporting. I think it's valuable reporting. I had similar feelings about it when, you know, when I, it sort of took me back to when we saw a lot of reporting around Sky Blue, quite frankly. It took, it took me back to that a little bit. Um, and perhaps it's weighted a bit different. I think for people because it resonates closer to home, A and B, uh, it's it's weighted heavier because of the last couple of weeks, right? With with everything um, dropping within the, that Yates report, so um, I think it highlights again the the issues with housing, the the issues and struggles within um, you know for staff and, and front office staff. Um, it highlights just how much of it does, in fact, come from the top. And I think that that is a very important aspect that people should not lose sight of moving forward. Yeah, I think systemic change is hard. I think everybody knows that. Um, I think systemic change is not always linear. There's that issue as well. Um there's a lot of people kind of running the team now. Running a team by committee is not always the easiest either. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I'll be honest, like the piece was published about 48 hours ago and I don't have necessarily a ton to say that's not in there. Um, yeah. I, I did go on Meg Linehan's show uh, and, and spoke to her about some of the larger systemic things and like next steps, because I think her reporting is an indicator of, of the, the situation that the team is in right now. Um, which is that when you do have that many voices in a room trying to run a team, um, you're going to have people that I think want more present, active, aggressive change. And you're going to have people who are a little bit more status quo minded. Um, I would hope that the takeaway from my work in conjunction with that is that status quo is not going to work. And that does get into the free agency question of the way the, the club has been run thus far has left so thin of margins for even like a holding pattern that it, swift aggressive action is, is necessary. I think, um, to not do further damage, I guess, is the way to put it. 
I mean, yeah. And I guess, oh my God, I guess we'll just, we'll just see. I, I'm not even trying to um, simplify it or anything like that, but I think that's the other part of it too. It's like, we've heard that from comms that they want to try to pursue some things in a timely manner. Um, but what is that going to look like? What does that timeline actually look and feel like? Um, and the waiting, I think, quite frankly, in between all of it is, is the hardest part, right? Um, the unknowns in, in between that until you do actually get uh, solutions um, around it, especially like as this team essentially enters, enters an off season, you know, with, not just a target on its back, but a very public target on its back. I think it's just sort of stemming off of, you know, last season's off season. It, it was evident that there were struggles for this team in a retaining players who no longer wanted to be here. Right. And B attracting or signing any type of new talent. Right. That's an issue for this team. I think, I don't think that's an unfair thing to say on a red stars fan podcast. It is, it's both the revolution, the revelation and confirmation that this franchise as it currently exists might not necessarily be a franchise in which new acquisitions are eager to make the jump to, right? Whereas maybe the narrative around this team before in the past was a little bit different uh, where it was a team, Hey, we're a playoff bound team. This located in the cool city come beyond the red stars. Right. Um, that, that isn't enough, quite frankly, anymore moving forward, you know, to this year. So where it's like, we sort of saw that and the feelings of that, in that 2021 offseason, I think we're going to continue to see that in 2022 into 2023. But I think the feeling is a little bit different in that it just sort of confirms things uh, for, for people. I mean, we hear from players all the time. They talk to each other and they are the first point of contact for one another about, you know, clubs and interest from clubs and, and what it's like to, to play amongst clubs. And I, can't imagine that the Red Stars franchise's reputation is, is one that's a good one right now. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately what I want, and I'm sure fans want, and players and staff wants, is um, for here, it just ultimately, and I don't think that this is a controversial statement, is when the board ultimately, or you know, whatever happens with a potential sale, when someone comes forward from within the club and says things are better, you want it to be true. And I think that a difficult thing, and I am not placing this only on Chicago. We have seen this other places too, is there's this desire for to be perceived as progressing without wanting to do the work to actually do so. And I don't fully understand where that impulse comes from. Just actually do better. And then you can announce the good things that you're doing. Um, I have no reason at this moment to believe that that is not what the board would like to do. Um, but obviously Meg's reporting puts a little bit of doubt again on if you have people with 
with impulses that lean towards status quo, those are difficult impulses to overcome. And I know people are worried about the nuclear scenario, right? Which would be folding or, um, or, or, or relocation. Fans have said um, on social media that that is actually some of the messaging that they got from the club um, in the last offseason was, was playing on those fears. And it's now up to the board for, those, for that not to happen, right? And we, we say this all the time, the punishment for speaking out should not be losing your job. And I mean that for like the players too, or having to move from a place you don't want to move from. Um, a place you've put down roots, you know, uh, the city in which you've lived for years, that is not the goal here. And that is also, I think part of that overhanging punishment that has sat on the league for, for a decade. And, and so now it's just a huge responsibility on the board to just do better and then announce the good things that you're doing. And that's the real work like the real, real work, and I'm not going to lie, I think it's going to be expensive. And putting your money where your mouth is, I think is also really, really hard to do, as we've seen. Yeah, no, 100%. I, you know, I think a little bit of, of you know, just what we've seen in in recent years, right? Yeah, there we, sorry, real quick, I do just want to say, John, John, who was in local one three four, said that that was that is what supporters were told was that if confirmed, yes, yes. confirmed. Thank you, John. Hey, you're confirmed. reporting too. Yeah. Thank you, John, for yeah. confirming yeah. that the yeah. supporters group was also traumatized, yeah, by ownership. So that's there you go. That's a bit of more confirmation for for folks. Um, yeah, that's that's terrible. I, I hate that, quite frankly. I'm, uh, you know, trying to be a little bit more composed about it because I'm a little bit enraged by by seeing that. That's it. That's terrible. That is that is what um, abusers do. You know, um, prey on fears, and that's terrible. I am so sorry that um, supporters of a supporters group, people who have invested not just money, a lot of it, right? A and B, a ton of their personal time um, were told that and preyed upon that. That's terrible. Um, so I'm, I'm with you uh, in that, Claire. I think just sort of thinking a bit um, to present day, um, just looking at the landscape of NWSL and like what ownership looks like now um you know we've seen some we, we've seen a couple of california teams enter the fold um angel city sort of presenting um a, a new look type of ownership model right um and we saw uh, whistler and company sort of copycat mimic that and try to say like okay well we can do this too. Um, but, you know, remembering when this new wave of investorship, you know, came into play, like a, a part of what was, uh, you know, celebrated about it was that so much, so many of these folks had, 
ties to the city, ties to Chicago, you know, obviously the team as, as a franchise. Um, and just sort of thinking about new waves of investors in, in other areas, whether it was like a sky blue to, to Gotham, you know, rebrand, or obviously some of the interfighting that we saw out of the Spira franchise last year, where now Michelle uh, Y. King is, is primary owner of that franchise. Um, it ultimately came down to that, right? Just to sort of pluck out like an example, um, this concept of like, well, what will happen to the team if, if owner A, you know, goes elsewhere, right? Or dis disappears. Um, and we see that there was somebody like King who was interested in not just having the franchise, but, but keeping it in DC. So, you know, I think there's going to be some challenges there for sure. But talking about folks, you know, putting money where where their mouth is or towards actionable things, like what does uh, a future ownership group for this team looks like? And is there, you know, is the priority of that new look ownership group and or new look board of directors, uh, is their priority to ensure that there is uh, a franchise in, in the biggest city in the Midwest. You know, I'm, I'm curious to sort of uh, see what, what comes along with that um, and how that looks like. You know, I would imagine that, you know, there's always the possibility in which there may be folks who want to disinvest from this franchise. You know, there's there's a possibility of that too. You know, I don't know if we'll see that, you know, but it is something uh, that I think about that, that weighs on my mind, you know, um, what, what does that look like uh, moving forward? Or, but again, like what is the, 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 the solution for that? I, I personally don't have, you know, an immediate, an immediate one myself. Um, and I'm not someone in the room to, to make those uh, decisions. Um, but knowing that that was something that was placed out there in some capacity, like the only way this team can exist is if this one person is involved is, is, is dangerous. It was always a dangerous narrative and it's still a dangerous narrative now. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And so I just, uh, I do wonder um, as the league itself as a whole kind of continues to enter new territories, right? Like we're entering an off season for many teams. There's only four teams left in the postseason right now. There is a semifinal that's going to take place on October uh, 23rd on Sunday. Um, but for the other eight teams, you know, off season has begun. Like that is in, in full play. Um, some of the other bit of news that, that dropped was, you know, free agency is confirmed. You know, the arbitration period that took place for a certain amount of players um, about whether or not they were actually eligible news, they are. Whether or not they'll be able to negotiate contracts. So we're sort of in a, a bit of a, a free agency period for all of those eight teams who are not involved in the postseason anymore. And that naturally includes... Um, the red stars and there are some pretty notable names on the list it, it was not lost on me that um 
and again, you know, this is, this is not something I have any inside information on, just sort of my impressions from the outside. Um, but it was not lost on me that there were a number of veteran Red Stars whose status was in dispute um, in, in this particular arbitration, meaning yeah. that um, from the league's perspective, uh, the, or I don't even know whose perspective, like, I, you know, Jessica Berman supported it. I don't, I don't exactly know who it was who was arguing otherwise, to be completely honest, but from someone's perspective, requiring a legal arbitration, um, a number of those players didn't get to be free agents if the team decided to pick up their team side, their team side option. Um, and just, it wasn't lost on me that there were a number of, of longtime red stars who were caught in the middle of, of that arbitration. Yeah, I don't, I don't unfortunately have the list in front of me right now, but I believe... It's definitely Danny Colaprico. I'm pretty sure... I, I was going to say, I believe the Red Stars were the Andrew team with the right. most yeah. on top of that. Yeah. I think they had like four or five players Yeah, compared to like a couple of players for each franchise. And then I had the same feeling, Claire. I was like, hmm, that is suspiciously many Chicago Red Stars players right. compared to some of the others. And more, again, veteran uh, players, established players right. of the league and of this uh franchise uh specifically yeah no i think it's um it's something to keep an eye on um for sure i think i think adjacent to this franchise figuring out its next next steps in terms of what ownership looks like in terms of what you know um investment looks like adjacent to that is also negotiating with some of these players um, talking about putting your money where your mouth is, are you going to be putting it in the in the one place that absolutely necessitates that type of investment? The players, right. right? The players and some of these players being players who have been with this franchise since they've been drafted, um, you know, throughout the Red Stars' existence. Uh, quite frankly, so uh, we'll see. It's it's something like I said to to keep an eye on something that we'll have to pay attention to as the off season um, progresses, but I think um, to close out, like if you want to get personal with the folks here on the live, uh, just overall thoughts of the season. Um, I'm tired. I'll just say it. It's, uh, it's been a long, a long year uh, covering this team. Um, I'm grateful to the players for the time that they give us. Um, and the same would go for staff as well uh, of the team. Grateful to you, Claire, right? To, you know, be local in the same city with you and checking in with each other whenever we can. And, um, yeah, just grateful to anyone who's ever listened to us on any podcast and followed or read any type of work or any types of takes, right? So um, I hope folks can... Uh, take some time in the off season to, you know, find a little bit of, of joy for themselves. Yeah. Um, here's my one, one final thought here. And I want to be very like measured and fair in this. Um, but So Sandra works for CBS, right? You work for CBS and you cover the whole league and not just the league. You also cover the U S women's national team. Um, you guys have some WSL games. You guys have potentially some champions league games. You guys have a lot going on. Um, I just signed on full-time with just women's sports, which is very exciting. 
um, to take point on their women's soccer coverage, as well as doing their newsletter, which that's like all of women's sports. That's everything three days a week. Um, sign up if you haven't, it's good. Um, and I, I just want to say that, uh, with this team, and this is a whole extra conversation, but this goes back to just sort of thanking CHGO for giving us this platform this season, um, is part of the story of this team and others is an abdication of responsibility, um, from the local media infrastructure in a city. And, you know, I, again, it's not worth it to get in it too deeply. Um, but Sandra and I have had the exact same conversations that other people have had about other things within the club, which is if we don't do this, and this is essentially like in our free time, this is an additional thing that we do. If we don't do this, nobody else will. And that is not sustainable either. So I'm, yes, exceptionally grateful for every player that gave us their time and their energy, grateful to the coaching staff for speaking with us, grateful to Chicago Red Stars Communications for making players available when we asked for them. Um, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm like walking away from this, like patting myself on the back either, or feeling like even the piece that I reported this week was some great triumph because it it's indicative of something that again, there is so much work to do and there is so much investment needed and it's not just from the club side. Uh, and so my, my, I have very complicated feelings about this year. I have very complicated feelings about the last couple of years and we'll have to process this and kind of Sandra and I will probably have many, many conversations over the off season and hopefully things are better next year across the board. Yeah. I'm with you 100%, buddy. Um, yeah, everybody, protect your peace. We appreciate you joining us live today, as always. Um, and if you have the time and if you are able to make the space, um, please support soccer in Chicago when and if you can. Okay. Uh, make sure that you continue to support CHGO as well. Uh, again, we are appreciative for, for the platform here as well to even be able to sort of uh, talk about all this kind of stuff. Um, and if you've enjoyed it, make sure you sign up for a CHGO membership. You get access to podcasts, live shows on every single Chicago team, every single day. You get access to written content, merchandise, free shirt when you become a member, and you get access to the members only Discord, the CHGO Lounge. But that's it. That's a wrap for Claire and I on the 2022 Chicago Red Stars season. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Oh my God, sorry, my mouse was stuck. In no, you're good. I was like, we're holding and we're holding and we're holding. I'm like, I'm going to smile. No, you're fine, dude. Thanks for letting us do this remote. Yeah. Appreciate it. It was yeah, for sure. For me on this um, you could have been in this chair right here.